The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I think it's it's the number one best teammate I can be, you know, every day in this building. And, you know, do the work that I need to do in order to help us win. Now, I understand I'm, I'm one part of of this wheel and I need to pull my weight and do and do my job really well uh, but it's a pretty strong wheel that has been built and so you know that's kind of it be a great teammate do the best I can uh, and help them go and then you know whatever I need to do to, to help the guys you know achieve whatever the goals are of you know the team and uh, for me that's winning the championship and, and, and trying to do everything I can you know during my time left um, to, to, to go find a way to get that done. And uh, I'm telling you, you, you talk to the guys in this locker room uh, just from the start, and, and there's a lot of guys that it's about winning, and it's about winning big and doing it the right way. And uh, it excites me to, to be a part of that. Tuesday edition of PFTPM, and uh, usually I work out right before the show, Shireen. Today I will tell you I feel like I went 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali because I was on for the full 4 p.m. Eastern hour with Chris Mad Dog Russo. That guy has energy. That guy is good, and I need a nap right now. So I'm just going to put my head down on the table and let you take over for the next 60 minutes if that's okay with you. Okay, let me see if I can get the hay in the barn or the hay out of the barn or the horses in the yeah. barn or maybe the horses out yeah. of the barn, something. We'll just talk about that for the next hour. Let, let me tell you, though, he, he's great. He was awesome. I, I, this is part of the ongoing Playmakers publicity tour, and uh, he, he's knowledgeable about the book, and he was very complimentary, and he was very charitable, and we had a good uh, rollicking discussion about all sorts of things in the NFL, which is what we're going to do over the course of the next hour here. To the extent that I have any gasoline left in my own tank, we're going to talk about the National Football League. This is the first time, though. I Not really because Darius Smith signed with the Vikings, but it, it's not the same kind of oh crap moment yeah. that happens between 9 a.m. Eastern when we finish PFT Live and 5 p.m. Eastern when we begin PFT PM. So it, it, it feels almost like a normal day, which is good, which probably means, Shereem, Something crazy is going to happen over the course of the next 58 minutes while we're on the air. We're going to have to react to it in real time. Yeah, I'd say you jinxed it, but that would be a positive thing if there's something happens that we can talk about that's bigger than what we have on our lineup right now. But there's always news, Mike, daily in the NFL, even in June and July and August. And, you know, I told Mike Golick yesterday, because he's been doing Mondays recently, and from Monday to Monday – and then the prior Monday, when you go through those one at a time, like the NFL world has yeah. changed dramatically in a week. And, and even from last Tuesday yeah. when we did this, because you do Tuesday, Thursday, when we did it last Tuesday, think of how different the world is now. For example, no one would have envisioned that Matt Ryan would no longer be the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. They had just worked out 
an extension, not an extension, but a restructuring to knock down his cap number, and it would have made the cap consequences of trading him ridiculously worse than they were. Everything's fine. Then all of a sudden, the Falcons are in on Deshaun Watson, and we assume, well, okay, they'll get Deshaun Watson or they'll keep Matt Ryan. They end up with neither. Matt Ryan, now a member of the Indianapolis Colts, and he was introduced today, and he becomes the latest longtime quarterback with one team to move to another team. And he talked today, among other things, about the fact that he is just like Matthew Stafford last year, Tom Brady two years earlier. The, the difference for now is they won a Super Bowl in their first years with their new teams. Here's Matt Ryan on following Stafford and Brady. Yeah, it looks pretty good. You know, the, the roadmap looks really good. And what Matthew Stafford did in, in L.A. last year, you know, making that transition, playing so well. Uh, and what Tom did, you know, I saw that firsthand in division the year before. Um, hopefully, you know, we, we bottle up some of that momentum and, and we can make a push here. Uh, I really believe we can. I think this roster is built uh, really well. They're sound across the board, uh, built with, you know, really high character football players, guys who work hard. I mean, the, the, it's, it's amazing to me in sending a bunch of texts and talking to some guys yesterday just back and forth how much they care about winning. You know, in every one of their first text messages, it was about winning. Um, and that, that's unique. You know, it, it really is, and, and that fires me up. So um, I hope we can, you know, like I said, ride that trend that's been going on and, uh, and make it work for us. You know, I have a very important observation to make, and this is critically relevant to what's happening in the NFL right now. Um, Matt Ryan in a suit at this point in his life looks like every TV and movie dad from the 50s. Every one of them in one. He's he's Ward Cleaver. He's Jimmy Stewart. He's Dean Jones from all those Disney movies. Shireen, we're the same age. You remember Dean Jones from all those Disney movies? Am I right or am I right? Yeah, and I knew where you were going. I just wasn't sure what. I knew you were going to talk about the suit. I just didn't know who you were going to compare him to, but those are pretty good comparisons. But, yeah, I mean, you always see guys in suits. The one time you see them in suits is when they change teams. Same with coaches when they – after draft day or when they change quarterbacks or some big press conference, and then you never see them in a suit again. I'm surprised Matt Ryan didn't say we got to wrap this up. I'm due back at the building and loan. Good Lord. I mean, it really is amazing. It really is amazing. And uh, uh, he's, he's now in Indy. And look, if he had gone to another NFC team that, you know, needed a high-end quarterback that otherwise had a great roster around him it would be different he's in the AFC it's a meat grinder in the AFC we were talking about this earlier today there are 13 contenders everybody except the Jaguars Texans and Jets in my estimation are contenders in the AFC so that leaves 13 and only seven of them are getting in six of them are going to get thrown overboard I think that there could be a team that doesn't make it to the playoffs in the AFC that could win the NFC that's how good the AFC is right now. And uh, it, there's no guarantee the Colts are going to get to the playoffs with Matt Ryan. Now, you see the odds have changed. Winning the division, a little bit better, plus 150 down to plus 110. Winning the AFC championship, look, it's still a long shot. Winning the Super Bowl, long shot. Matt Ryan cut his odds in half to win the MVP. He was the 2016 MVP. I, I think that this is perfect 
for the Colts, who have been bouncing from quarterback to quarterback since Andrew Luck unexpectedly retired in August of 2019. They go Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and now, boom, they have Matt Ryan. I think he's the best of the bunch. He's still got plenty left, and I think he's going to be good. And I think they're going to be good. With Jonathan Taylor, with that offensive line, with the defense they have, Darius Leonard, their star linebackers, already jostling for Julio Jones to join the Colts. Wouldn't that be something? If Julio Jones ends up reunited with Matt Ryan there and they could use him, I, the, the Colts became a much more interesting team. We knew that they were glaringly lost at quarterback, but they otherwise had a good team. And we thought they were going to end up with Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield or whatever. This Matt Ryan thing happens. They can thank Deshaun Watson. Because what happened, Shireen, as Chris Sims has heard it, and I've heard nothing to contradict this, the Falcons were not in on Deshaun Watson. Watson wanted the Falcons to come to the table. And when they did, at some point after that started, that's when the thing with Matt Ryan fell apart. Otherwise, this never would have happened. So Deshaun Watson, the Colts, Colts fans should be very grateful that, that he did what he did by trying to get the Falcons to sign him, to trade for him, because otherwise Matt Ryan would still be a Falcon. Yeah, and Matt Ryan had his choice. He said the day he could have gone back to Atlanta or he could have accepted the trade to Indianapolis, and he chose to go to the Colts. And I think it's a good move for him and and a good move probably for the Falcons. Now they can start rebuilding for the future because they weren't going to go anywhere with or without Matt Ryan. The last time that Matt Ryan and the Falcons have had a winning record was in 2017. Think about that. That was a long time ago, Mike. But, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today, and you pointed out the Texans and the Jaguars are two of the teams that – of the three teams that you don't think have a chance in the AFC. I completely agree with you, but those two teams are in the same division that Matt Ryan now plays in. The Colts had the most pro bowlers of any team in the NFL last season. The one thing they were missing is the quarterback who didn't turn the ball over on his own goal line, which, as we know, Carson Wentz did many times last year. So compare the Titans and the Colts. They both have the one and two best running backs in the NFL. I would say Derrick Henry's better, had the injury-plagued season last year. But certainly Jonathan Taylor is close. So you got the running game. I don't necessarily like the Colts receivers when we start talking about Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin and, and Michael Pittman. I don't know that, that they're there. The, the Titans obviously have uh, the edge there. But when I compare these two teams, I think Matt Ryan's probably, and uh, this is uh, Aggie on Aggie crime here, but he's better than Ryan Tannehill. So if I'm going to pick a team right now to win that division, it's going to be the Colts. And there may only be one team out of that division that makes the playoffs, Mike. And we're going to be talking about, just as you said, the Colts or the Titans as, boy, if they had just been in the NFC, they would have made the postseason and could have made a run. They're going to be that good. There's going to be a team like that that's left out of the postseason. Well, especially when we look at the teams in the AFC West, top to bottom, all four teams will be contenders. AFC North, I'm not writing off the Steelers just because they have Mitchell Trubisky. You've got the Browns with Deshaun Watson. Who knows how many games he's going to ultimately miss, but you've got the Bengals and Joe Burrow. They're doing what they have to do to address their weaknesses. The Ravens, you know, they go from perennial powerhouse to a team that's going to be hard-pressed to just hang on in that division and in that conference. I've said this time and again in the past couple of weeks, and it keeps getting stronger and stronger, this this flow of great talent, veteran talent, from the NFC to the AFC. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen this kind of imbalance 
And uh, this is not a great time to be in the AFC. And I know that the players individually say, well, we're competitors and, you know, iron sharpens iron and all that stuff. At some point, you'd like a break. At some point, you don't want every game to feel like a playoff game. I mean, think about some of these regular season matchups this year, how significant they will be. All of the AFC North games, all of the AFC West games, most of the AFC East games, those Colts-Titans games now become epic. And, hey, Indy's got to go back to Jacksonville again. They've lost there each of the last two years, even though Jacksonville otherwise stunk. So that game is significant. So many great games. And that's just that's just before they start playing the teams from the other conference. It, it's, it's going to be a potentially great season. Now, injuries will ultimately affect some of these teams. But going in so far, what we've seen before we even get to the draft – this could be a very, very exciting season. It could be very frustrating. I said this earlier today too, Shereen. People's fortunes and fates are going to be determined not by anything they do. Seasons are going to come down to bad calls, bad bounces, bad weather, something out of your control. That's how narrow the margin is going to be, and that's going to drive people crazy. All the work, all the effort, all the time, all the everything. It's going to ultimately come down to something that they can't control. Absolutely, Mike. And when you look at the Colts' history at the quarterback position, I don't know if they really appreciated it at the time. Maybe they did, but just how lucky they were to get Peyton Manning, who from 1998 to 2010 started 227 consecutive games, and then they almost went directly to Andrew Luck. There was that one year in there, which is why you need to tank if there's a top quarterback available to get that number one Careful, overall Stephen pick Ross. for a can't-miss Careful, guy. Stephen Ross. Careful, Stephen <laughs> Ross. I know. But they ended up with Andrew Luck. He started 57 consecutive games from 2012 to 2015. And then when Luck retired before that 2019 season, Mike, you just see what they've gone through. And it just hasn't been good. Phillip Rivers was the best of that bunch, and he was a bridge quarterback. And, you know, Matt Ryan turns 37 in May. So they're going to be addressing this position again soon, whether it's in the draft this year, maybe draft a guy lower in third, fourth round and and try to hope that he turns into a Dak Prescott or a Russell Wilson or somebody like that. But at some point, whether it's this year or beyond the next couple of years, they're going to have to address this position again, and they're going to make another move at quarterback. But for now, Colts fans should be excited by what they have because they are going to contend and they are going to compete, especially in that division. And I think they're good enough when you look at all the Pro Bowlers they had last year, all the people they bring back, still some work to do, they're good enough to compete in the AFC. And they're not going to have to go through the ringer. They are going to get those breaks in their division when they play the Jaguars twice, when they play the Texans twice. They're going to get a few breaks in there that perhaps those teams in the AFC West don't, don't realize. This is part of the reality of having a team that's otherwise good. You never bottom out. You never get to the point where you can go get the great quarterback in the draft. So you take advantage of the opportunities to find whoever's out there. And we have seen in recent years an unprecedented number of veteran quarterbacks who become available for whatever reason. So you get Phillip Rivers on the back end of his career because they have Justin Herbert. You, or, Or at least were planning to get Justin Herbert, and he was done with the Chargers. You you get a Carson Wentz because he falls out of favor with the Eagles and they want to move on. Now you get Matt Ryan because it finally ends for him in Atlanta, and this could be the answer. And it may just be stopgap, stopgap, stopgap until they finally see their team disintegrate to the point where they start over again. The problem is, for the powers that be, 
in Indianapolis. I think if they ever fall apart to the point where they could go get a great young quarterback, Jim Mercy is going to fire everybody. So, so right. the, 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 the challenge yeah. for Chris Ballard and Frank Reich is get that veteran and win with that veteran and hold on to that veteran as long as they can because, you know, un- unless there's a guy they really like that slips through the cracks or they trade up, they're not going to be able to plug in that young quarterback, and the rest of the team is too good to justify taking a step back with a rookie. So uh, it-, it worked this year, and we'll see how long they keep Matt Ryan, and then they'll, they'll be looking again, and maybe they'll get lucky and somebody will fall into their laps again. But it's, it's a strange time for the Colts, but they have to feel good about where they are at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, and they are. They're they're in good shape, and and they are building for the now. They are, as the Rams did last year, maybe not quite to that extent, but they are kind of going all in with this move at quarterback to to trade Carson Wentz to say, all right, he wasn't good enough. Let's try our hand because we think we have a really good team, a team capable of winning a Super Bowl. We're a quarterback away. Let's go find a guy who we feel good about, who can lead us to where we want to go. And they feel good about Matt Ryan. And he's been there. He's been at a league MVP. It's a long time ago. He started in the Super Bowl. It's a long time ago, but he's done it. And we know his character. We know what a great leader he is, all those things. So I think this is a really good move for the Colts. I like this much better than that they had gone and gotten the younger Baker Mayfield just because I feel like Matt Ryan's more accomplished. He's done it. He can get them where they want to go because he's proved that he's done it in the past, Mike. And if all else fails, he can star in the reboot of some of the Dean Jones Disney films. I'm pulling up here. Let's see if any of these ring a bell. Uh, let's see. Uh, I don't remember the million dollar duck. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo, the shaggy DA. I remember that he was Wilby Daniels in the shaggy DA. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a, he, he did that Dan, that darn cat, not that damn cat. Couldn't say damn back in 1965. He was in that (laughs) darn cat. A lot of movies for Dean Jones. So, uh, second career for Matt Ryan, ready to roll. Baker Mayfield wanted to play for the Colts. I said this earlier today. He's got to be so upset that the spot he wanted in Indy gets filled by a guy who came to the NFL when he was 13 years old, when Baker Mayfield was 13 years old. That the Colts jump on Matt Ryan, who's got two, three years left. They spurn Baker Mayfield, and now he's a man without a country, and there's there's one less country that's off the table. People thought, well, maybe the Panthers would make a move because they're in this mode where they'll take anybody they can get and hope that they can fashion him into a franchise quarterback. According to David Newton of ESPN.com, the Panthers not interested in Baker Mayfield. So cross them off the list if they were ever on it. I guess what was happening is somebody was suggesting, somebody was reporting the Panthers wanted Baker. Newton says no. So I don't know what the Panthers are going to do. They've got Sam Darnold. They didn't want another top three quarterback from the 2018 draft class on the roster. So for Baker, I, I still go back to Seattle or Detroit. Yeah. Those are the two that make the most sense to me. And I know there's no reason yet to believe Detroit is interested, but, but I think John Dorsey should be pounding on the table. I think Dan Campbell should be saying, This is the guy who epitomizes the kind of grit and toughness we are building into this team. Chris Spielman should say the same thing. And, yeah, it would cost some dead cap money and it would hurt and, you know, they'd move on from Jared Goff, whatever the case may be. I 
I think they should do it. And maybe they're maybe they're waiting. Let the market soften. Let the Browns get desperate. And maybe you can steal Baker Mayfield or maybe even have the Browns pay some of the $18.8 million to offset the financial consequences of moving on from Jared Goff. But I just I, – this is – this is kind of misguided spider sense because I've got nothing to base this on other than my own eyes and my own sense of how the NFL is currently constructed. And Detroit seems to be the place where Mayfield should go. Who knows? But the news that I've completely deviated away from is the Panthers don't want him. Yeah, Mike. And and the market for him has just dried up and it does look like it's going to be a low round draft pick. And, it may be a Teddy Bridgewater even type trade where Carolina took on some of that money and some of that cap hit uh, to trade him to Denver for Denver to take him. It may be something like that, Mike, but it's obvious that there is not a huge market right now for Baker Mayfield, which is really and truly stunning. I mean, this is a guy who was a number one overall pick in 2018. He led the Browns to their First playoff victory since 1994 last season. This is a guy who's done some things. I realize he had the shoulder injury. I realize he was not very good. I realize teammates have not come to his defense. And in fact, Odell Beckham was one of the guys who talked his way out of Cleveland because he didn't like Baker Mayfield. I get all of that, but it really truly is a stunning fall for a guy who Everyone thought was going to be a great NFL player, and it's just not quite turned out like that for Baker Mayfield. But he's shown enough moments that you would think someone would have interest in him, that he would be an upgrade on their quarterback position. And you're right, the team you look toward is Seattle. I just can't imagine that they're going to go into the season with Drew Locke. And Pete Carroll said today they do want Geno Smith back and Jacob Eason. I mean – Maybe they're trying to tank for next year to get one of these quarterbacks who's coming out next year. Maybe that's their intent, but I can't imagine that they're going to go into the season with with one of those guys as their starting quarterback. Or maybe everyone is just keeping their cards close to the vest because the Browns are quickly going to get desperate and they're going to do what they have to do to unload Baker Mayfield. And, you know, there was a sense around the league that Mayfield needs to be humbled and Potentially he has been by not even getting a shot with the Colts. And I don't think the Colts would have wanted him without a heaping helping of humble pie because they had to deal with Carson Wentz last year. And there are some similarities, personality and circumstance and, you know, leaving a team and feeling like you were wronged and and you're right. And maybe maybe it just doesn't go as smoothly as it could. I think the Colts are in a much better spot with Matt Ryan. And maybe if Baker Mayfield ends up, being traded for a sixth round or a seventh round pick or the Browns have to pay part of his salary or, or, you know, worst case scenario, he gets cut and the Browns just get an offset based on whatever he makes elsewhere. I don't think that happens. And, and if they would cut him, I think the Steelers, you know, the Steelers signed Mitchell Trubisky knowing that he was the best available option that they didn't have to trade for. I think if Baker Mayfield suddenly becomes available, you have to consider him if you're the Steelers, don't you? Yeah, I had that on my list of if they cut him, that's the problem for the Browns. They know that, that the Steelers would have interest in him. And 
I would love for him to go to the Steelers and the Steelers to have all those quarterbacks to try and choose from because I think, you know, you have a chance to hit on one of those guys, whether it's Dwayne Haskins. I don't think it's Mason Rudolph, but, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, maybe it's him and maybe it's Baker Mayfield, but you let those guys go compete. I would love that for the Steelers if that were to happen, but the Browns know that. They, to me, they cannot cut him because that's the obvious choice for both of them, for Baker to want to go there and for the Steelers to want Baker. Yeah, and, and I think that's all the more reason for, at the end of the day, the Browns to find a destination, preferably in the NFC. Uh, and really, that, that's, there's no team in the AFC that I would even look to and say, other than the Steelers, they would yeah. want Baker Mayfield. So you trade him to an NFC team. You don't have to worry about him landing in Pittsburgh. He's out of your hair forever. You'll see him once every four years or thereabouts, even ever even comes to that. But that, that makes sense. But it, it's not going to be any type of significant return for the Cleveland Browns when they move on from Baker Mayfield. Okay. Rookie quarterbacks. Chris Sims unveiled his rankings. He has Malik Willis at number three. He had his pro day today at Liberty. Here's Willis on having dinner with a head coach who may be interested in – drafting Malik Willis with the 20th overall pick in this year's selection process. Here's Willis. It was cool. I mean, he a normal dude. That's what you want. I mean, he was normal dude. He eating his chicken wings over there. I'm like, Mike Tomlin eat chicken wings? You think he, you know what I'm saying? He up here with it. So I felt like that was cool too. I was just being myself. I ain't gonna lie. I love chicken wings, so I was I was eating those myself and <laughs> with the crab fries. I was fire. He thought Mike Tomlin eats, but yeah, there's no special diet for football coaches. If anything, they eat the same crap the rest of us do when they're grinding away in the office hour after hour. There's Malik Willis at his pro day. That is not, that's an impressive throw. Uh, not really a great platform, but it shows some incredible arm strength. You know, he's one of the top guys. We'll see what happens. Quarterbacks get overdrafted because teams that need quarterbacks like the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers are going to take one of these guys, clearly. And the problem with the Panthers, wherever they're drafting, they have to worry about getting jumped by somebody else who likes the guy that that they think the Panthers are going to take because the Panthers may as well have a sign on top of Bank of America Stadium saying, we're going to take a quarterback in round one, and it could end up being Malik Willis. I'm going to be really surprised, Mike, if the Panthers don't trade up to get one of these quarterbacks. Matt Rule has has made the circuit. He was at Kenny Pickett's workout uh, yesterday at Pittsburgh, and now he's at uh, today at Malik Willis's workout. So the Panthers are going to take one of these quarterbacks. It's a question of how high are they going to trade up to get one of these guys. Uh, but I do think they trade up because they're not going to want to miss out on the guy that they really feel good about and I think that's the direction they're going and I think it's pretty obvious that, that that's the direction they're going and it'll be interesting to see if anybody else also tries to make that move and then you're exactly right quarterbacks are overvalued because there's not enough of them and because this is not a quarter good quarterback draft doesn't matter the teams that need a quarterback are going to move up to get those quarterbacks despite what it costs because they don't have one and they feel like this guy could be their quarterback of the future whoever that might be And even though the Panthers draft at six, and even though you'll hear the draft experts say 
There's no quarterback that should go until the middle of round one. The bottom line is, if you are the Panthers and you cannot get any of the franchise quarterbacks who are established to play for you, I mean, they have put it on the line twice with Deshaun Watson and were shot down both times. They can't make it work. They couldn't get Russell Wilson, even if they tried to get him. So the only way to do it is use the process of involuntarily forcing a guy to come play for you, whether he likes it or not. I guess that would be the ultimate indignity for the Panthers. If, if they would <laughs> draft a quarterback and it's the latest yeah. Eli Manning, John Elway, I'm not going to play for you position. And I've, I've said time and again, more players should do that. But there's reasons to not go to Carolina. Matt Rule is yeah. clearly on the hot seat. Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator. There's a sense of dysfunction just from the circumstance that if things don't go well this year, there's going to be a change in the guard. What if the new coaching staff doesn't want you? you got a problem. So there, there are reasons. Now, most of the players are very well brainwashed at this point to just accept it. But how many quarterbacks have we seen get ruined by all of this turmoil that happens early in a career? Uh, D Daniel Jones is dealing with it in yeah. New York and other quarterbacks we've seen. They get they get in this position where the offense changes, coaching staff changes, and it really slows down their overall career development. The Vikings pounce on linebacker Zadarius Smith. He had a deal in place with the Ravens last week. He got upset, I'm told, when the Vaughn Miller and Chandler Jones deals were done. Backed out of the Ravens deal without something else in hand. When he backed out, everybody thought, oh, he's got another deal. He's got a better deal like we saw – J.D. McKissick do last week, like we've seen others do, like Randy Gregory kind of, like, hey, see you later, I'm gone. I got, I got a plan B that becomes plan A. He had no plan B. He had no plan A. He had nothing. He lands with Minnesota on a three-year deal worth $42 million with a max of $47 million. Um, he only played 18 snaps last year due to a back injury. The Vikings have to be concerned about that aspect of it, that the back, you know, once you start having back problems, you've got a problem. Yep. And just because uh, oh, time heals all wounds, not back issues, when you have back problems, they may stick around. And so it's a hell of a calculated risk for the Vikings to beef up their pass rush, make the transition to a 3-4 defense. Smith, when healthy, can be great, and he's going to be motivated to chase around Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, the hope is he's going to be healthy and able to play, Sheree. Well, and that's exactly right, Mike. He did come back and play in the postseason loss to the 49ers, and he had a sack, and he looked pretty good. But you're right, those back problems don't go away, and that's what forced, among other players, Troy Aikman to finally call it quits. People think it was the concussions. It wasn't the concussions. It was the back that finally gave out for Troy Aikman, and we've seen it with so many other players. The backs just don't get any better once you have a back injury. Now, he's joining a team with, with he and Hunter. If, if they can stay healthy, and it's a huge if because they haven't. They both haven't stayed healthy at the same time since 2019. But in 2019, they had 202 quarterback pressures and 28 sacks. If the Vikings get that kind of production, and I think they will get that kind of production if those guys can stay healthy. Again, a big if. They will have, to me, one of the best rush, rushing tandems in the NFL, Mike. I don't think Daniel Hunter fits, though, in their new defense, and I think they'd like to trade him. They're just having a hard time finding a taker, in part because of his recent injury history. And it's a sad story with Hunter. He had more sacks than anyone before the age of 25. Everything was going great. Then came the neck injury in 2020. He ended up on injured reserve before the season even began. He was unhappy with his contract. Last year he got injured. 
I'm not sure Hunter's going to be there, but they just can't find anyone to move in and take him for what they're looking for. But uh, at least they have Smith. We'll see what they can do defensively. They're making an overhaul of that entire unit from a 4-3 base to a 3-4 base. That rarely goes smoothly because there's only so many new players you can get in one year. The Buccaneers won't have to get a new running back. One of their own is sticking around after dipping his toe in the free agency pool. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll tell you who is going to continue to play for the Buccaneers and for how long. More PFTPM right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Fournette, he's in there. And that will turn it into a two-possession lead. Fournette has now scored a touchdown in each of his last seven postseason games. They keep it alive. Brady's going to hand it off. It's Fournette. He's going to take it to the end zone. This is officially lunacy. Leonard Fournette, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a guy who fell into their laps in 2020 after the Jaguars cut him. And at one point in the 2020 season, he was upset about his role. Bruce Arians went to him and said, you got 30 minutes to go figure out whether you want to be part of this team or not. If you don't, I'll cut you. If you do, let's go. And they needed him that year because Ronald Jones was injured in the playoffs. Fournette stepped up, became playoff Lenny, and then last year developed into the top option. After visiting the Patriots on Monday – Leonard Fournette stays with the Buccaneers on a three-year, reportedly $21 million deal with $11 million guaranteed. I have the full breakdown. I'll be posting it at PFT because sometimes deals like that have a little, a little uh, what's the right initials, BS in them. So <laughs> yeah. we'll see if it's yeah. really $21 million over three years because that's a lot for a free agent running back, a guy who hit the market, looked around, and came back to Tampa Bay. $7 million a year is a lot. But remember, this guy, when he first – Arrived on the scene at LSU, Shereen, we thought he was going to be one of the all-time greats. That's how good he was. Well, and that's certainly what the Jaguars thought when they drafted him, Mike, as high as they drafted him, and it didn't turn out quite that way. And, you know, I, I you talked about the little humble pie that he got the first year with Tampa, and I think that really helped him. Moving on from Jacksonville, getting to Tampa, and basically being told, do you want to play or not? This is the situation you're in, and I think that really helped him. And, I, you know, you look at Tom Brady. I, I, he's obviously the greatest of all time. I also think he's the greatest recruiter of all time, Mike. He has brought all of these guys back. He didn't get both of his guards to come back, but I do think Shaq Mason uh, addition has helped the Buccaneers at least at one of the guard spots. But I think they really needed Leonard Fournette. You saw how much they missed him last year when he went on IR after week 15 with that hamstring injury. And then you look at that their roster. They have no other running backs that you would remotely want, Tom Brady would remotely want, to be his every down running back. And, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn and Ken John Barner, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he really wanted Leonard Fournette back for all the reasons that Leonard Fournette has shown over the last two seasons, especially in the postseason, which is how he got his 
nickname, and he was truly outstanding over the last two postseasons. He played really well for the Buccaneers and was a big reason they won the Super Bowl, Mike, two years ago. They want, Tom Brady wanted him back. He got him back. Really good move for the Buccaneers. And our friends at JoeBucksFan.com pointed out last week that Fournette had a post on Instagram that seemed like a farewell to Tampa when Tom Brady came back, that post went away. So maybe it was always preordained. He was going to stay with the Buccaneers, visited the Patriots. I, uh, the Patriots aren't going to pay running backs, but maybe that was what was needed yeah. to get the Bucks to, to get this done. Maybe it was enough to get Tom Brady to go to Jason Light and say, give this guy his money and let's get him back in the fold. Uh, so you're right, but Brady, a great recruiter, getting those guys to stick around, getting guys to come in, getting Logan Ryan to rejoin him in Tampa Bay after Jordan Whitehead leaves. The, the Buccaneers are going to be in great position to thrive in 2022. Les Snead, the team that won the Super Bowl in 21, the Rams, he's the GM. He said today that they definitely want Odell Beckham Jr. back. Now, they've traded Robert Woods, who tore an ACL last year on the same day OBJ signed. They've signed Allen Robinson, and the money that they've given to him suggests he will be the starter across from Cooper Cup. The problem with Odell Beckham Jr. is the last time he tore the ACL in the same knee, it was 11 months until he was able to play. So if it takes another 11 months this time around, he's not back until the end of the regular season. So I, I hope they take care of him. I hope they give him some sort of financial reward for what he did to help that team win the Super Bowl. He was the best player on the field offensively until he had that non-contact ACL tear in Super Bowl 56. It's just it's challenging because we're expecting these teams to go against their nature. Their nature is not to pay someone who's injured. Their nature is not to pay for past services. It's not what have you done for me lately. It's what are you doing for me right now and what can I expect you to do for me tomorrow. And with Odo Beckham Jr., the answer is I don't know. Because we don't know when he's going to be healthy. So it's a tough spot for the Rams to figure out the right contract for OBJ. Yeah, and the Bucks did it with Chris Godwin, Mike, and, and really pleased that, that he got his due with the Buccaneers to, to return there. Of course, franchise tag was used, different stuff, you know, last year. But he was coming off the torn ACL as well a little earlier, so he's going to be a little bit ahead of Odell Beckham. The question is, when do you sign him, Mike, if you're the Rams? I mean, I don't think you do it now. I think you wait a while before you make that move. But you saw how valuable he was to the Rams last year, especially when they didn't anticipate they would sign him. And a couple days later, Robert Woods would be lost for the year with a knee injury. So it worked out great for the Rams. I know they want him back. I know he wants to go back there. I'm going to be surprised if he goes anywhere else. But the question for me is when, if you're the Rams, do you make that move with Odell? Do you wait until the season starts and at some point during the season make that move and take a chance that somebody else is going to have an injury at receiver and go after him? See, if I'm the Rams, I do it now because this is a do-right-by-your-key-guys move. Yeah. And you want to send a message to your other players, we will do right by you. And at a time when they're trying to get Aaron Donald to come back, and Donald said, if everybody else is back, I'll be back. Well, Von Miller's gone. Robert Woods is gone. Yeah. Andrew Whitworth is gone. We expected that. OBJ may be gone. If Odo Beckham would sign with one of these other teams before Aaron Donald – finalizes whatever it is he's going to do, and that's something else Les Snead addressed today. They're trying to craft a win-win deal to reward Aaron Donald. He's grossly underpaid, given what he means to that team. But you want to take care of your key players. You want to show gratitude towards your key players. You don't want to say, hey, thanks for helping us win a Super Bowl. Sorry about the torn ACL. 
have fun wherever or, you know, get back to us when you can pass a physical. I, I think it would mean a lot, not just to Odo Beckham Jr., but to other players on that team that want to feel like there truly is loyalty, that it's not a one-way street, that they don't, they don't love you until the moment they no longer need you, that they're still going to treat you well because there is a payoff there if he gets healthy again. That's the other risk they're taking. Yeah. Same knee, torn ACL twice. How much can they truly expect him to come back and be the guy that he once was? I don't know. But he was playing pretty damn well before this most recent one. Here's the other side of it, too. Non-contact on that field where they play their home games. Yeah, that's right. How are they going to be confident yeah. that another new ACL is going to hold up? It's just a damn shame. And it gets back to what Sims and I were complaining about after the Super Bowl, that these games should all be on grass where there is some natural give and there is an undue pressure on that ligament that can cause it to pop. So these are all issues that the Rams have to balance as they decide what they're going to do about Odell Beckham Jr. and how much they're going to commit to him financially, Shereen. Well, and they certainly covered themselves at the position, Mike, by getting Allen Robinson to go with Cooper Cup, so they're okay until Odell Beckham can come back. So maybe you do make that move and don't risk losing him to somebody else and figure the payoff at the end of the year and into the postseason is going to be huge. It's not like he's going to have to learn a new offense. He knows the offense. It's not like he's going to have to find chemistry with his quarterback. He knows his quarterback. They have chemistry, obvious chemistry, based on what he did in the postseason and, and late last year. So, yeah, maybe it is a move you make right now. You sign him to a short-term deal and, and make it work and, and, uh, and bring him back, and he'll be a key uh, member of your team late in the year when, when you really need him and perhaps when you have an injury at the position and he helps fill that need at the position later in the year. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Pete Carroll talking some more today about the events that resulted in the decision to trade Russell Wilson. We'll get to that when PFTPM continues. They believe Russell Wilson wanted out of Seattle. Wilson called the departure a mutual decision that he did not initiate. Pete Carroll says on Seattle Sports 710 that upon hearing that Russ from Russ that he wanted out, the coach tried to convince the quarterback to stick around says there were compelling reasons to stay. Pete says he fought for those reasons until the efforts were futile. Look, I don't know what time frame he's talking about. Obviously, last year, Russell Wilson wanted out, and they convinced him to stick around. The bottom line is, as they said last week, they knew he wasn't going to sign another contract. And the reason he wasn't going to sign another contract is they were not going to pay him what he wanted. They were paying him like a franchise quarterback. They weren't using him like a franchise quarterback. At some point, when you have a guy who expects market value every time he comes to the table and has every right to do that, if you're not using him like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, if the offense doesn't flow through him, if it's run the ball, play defense, and then maybe have Russ save your ass in the fourth quarter if you're down by 10 or more points, that's not using a franchise quarterback the right way. So how can you justify paying him? And they knew next year when Mark Rodgers, Russell Wilson's agent, was going to come back and say, it's time, it's time, it's time for another extension. They weren't going to pay him what the market would have dictated. So they made the move now. They got more now than next year because if you trade him next year, not only does the team that acquires him have to placate the Seahawks, they got to placate the player. So you're going to give less to the Seahawks if you have to pay the player a bunch of money. That's it in a nutshell. They never viewed him as a franchise quarterback. They never used him as a franchise quarterback, but they paid him as a franchise quarterback at some point. With that disconnect, Shireen, a divorce was inevitable. That's the truth. 
Yeah, and we saw it coming, Mike. When the when his agent said, "Hey, by the way, Russell doesn't want to be traded, but if the Seahawks are interested in trading him, here are the four teams that he'd be interested in going to." I mean, it was obvious at this point last year that his time in Seattle was short. That if he remained in 2021, which there was some question about whether the Seahawks would try and trade him last offseason, but if he stayed, it was obvious that barring a Super Bowl victory, that 2021 was going to be his last season in Seattle, and that's exactly how it turned out. So no one should have been surprised by the Seahawks trade of Russell Wilson or the fact that he wanted out. I mean, when he had that press conference and said, started talking about the offensive line woes and wanting to be involved in personnel. I mean, that pretty much signaled to me that Russell Wilson was ready to go somewhere else. And he saw the success that Tom Brady had in Tampa when he went somewhere else. He saw the success that Matthew Stafford had when he went somewhere else. He wants that same chance to have that same success with another, another team. And now he gets to do that in Denver, Mike. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes. Among other things, he goes back to Seattle for a game against the Broncos, which I think is going to be an early mid-season primetime game. Yeah. I can just feel that coming, the return of Russell Wilson to Seattle. Let's do a little fill-in-the-blank before we take our final break of the program. The team that made the biggest upgrade at quarterback is who? Well, it's the team we were just talking about, Mike, and, and that would be the Broncos. And the reason is, since Peyton retired after 2015, there's been this constant search for quarterbacks. 11 in all, Russell will be the 12th to start at quarterback uh, for the Broncos. But you just think about the names that have started at quarterback, the, the Trevor Simeons and the Paxton Lynches and the Case Keenums and the Brock Osweilers and Joe Flacco and Drew Locke and all these guys. All of those guys, this guy's a huge franchise upgrade over any of those guys that they've had since Peyton Manning retired. They've tried every which way to find one. It didn't work with the draft. It didn't work signing one in free agency. They hope it works in a trade. This is a proven guy. To me, that's easily the best answer here of, of the upgrade at quarterback. I think it's the Browns just because Baker Mayfield was middle of the pack at best. They get Deshaun Watson, who's top five. Once he clears the issues that can't be ignored, uh, as I explained today on on PFT, and we've been kicking around this idea that it's not just a matter of Deshaun Watson being suspended when the dust settles on the pending 22 civil cases. It's the possibility he gets put on paid leave until those cases are resolved. And I think there's a real possibility that happens and that maybe Watson and his camp don't understand that risk. Regardless, at some point he's playing. And at some point, he's dramatically better than Baker Mayfield, and he makes the Browns into a consistent contender. The team that downgraded the most, downgraded at quarterback, Shireen, is who? Well, I'm going to go with the Seahawks because as it stands right now, they're starting Drew Locke, and Pete Carroll did say they want uh, Geno Smith back, and they also have uh, Jacob Eason on their roster. But it's really hard for me to believe that Locke's going to start this season for them. But right now, he's in line certainly to do that. He will compete with Geno Smith if they indeed do sign, re-sign Geno Smith. But just find it really hard to believe. Eight and 13 and 21 starts, 25 touchdowns, 20 interceptions. Uh, for, to go from Russell Wilson to, to Drew Locke, to me, is just a huge downgrade. But at least they got the picks that came with it. They got the huge package that they can they use to rebuild the team. They can maybe use to get a quarterback. The Falcons downgraded from Matt Ryan to Marcus Mariota and all they got was a third round pick net on this. So I look, I, 
Marcus, nice guy. We've interviewed him at the Super Bowl in the past. I, he's, you know, he he's had a hard time staying healthy. He hasn't been effective. He never fulfilled his promise as the second overall pick coming out of Oregon back in 2015. And that is a huge step down for the Falcons. And it makes me wonder what their plan really is. And could they end up drafting someone in round one as they try to move forward post Matt Ryan? All right. The next quarterback domino to fall will be who Shireen? Well, I'm not sure any of these will happen before the draft, Mike, but I know the Browns have to get rid of Baker Mayfield at some point. I mean, that much is obvious, so I'm going to say Baker Mayfield just because it has to happen, whether it's a trade, whether it's the Browns releasing him, whatever it is, they've got to move on from Baker at some point. So I'm going to say Baker, and especially with Jimmy Garoppolo coming off that uh, shoulder surgery, I'm going to go with Baker. The part of me that loves chaos wants to say Kyler Murray just because that that would be be, that would be something if the Falcons decide to make a play for Kyler Murray or somebody else if the Panthers decide to make a play for Kyler Murray and can pull it off now the Cardinals have a lot of say in this but if those two sides are at a fundamental impasse about what Kyler Murray is going to make that that's that's reason for the Cardinals to think about making a move. And, and, and again, we don't know what's going on there. We just know some weird stuff went down within the past several weeks. It seems to have settled down, but that doesn't mean it's going to be settled in a way that secures Murray's future with the team. And when he sees all these other quarterbacks getting what they want, he may decide, yeah. I, I want to go somewhere where they're going to pay me what I'm worth. And the Cardinals aren't going to do it. They want, they want me to prove it some more. I've proven it. That could be the thing that drives a wedge that either results in a divorce this year or next year. But I'm not going to say that yet. I'm going to say Jimmy G, just because he's the other one that the 49ers better do something. Or, you know, I still think there's a chance that, that they, they've backed themselves into a corner by overvaluing Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. They waited too long to pull the trigger on a trade. And maybe they'll just decide to keep him for one more year. Just keep him. Just let Trey yeah. Lance have another year to develop. You got Jimmy Garoppolo under contract. And uh, we'll see if we can, we can run it back one more time and maybe – maybe get to the Super Bowl out of the NFC. They almost got there last year with Jimmy G. I, uh, I, I don't think it's a smart thing if they do it, and it would cause concern about whether or not Trey Lance is ever going to be the guy, Shireen. But I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that Garoppolo stays with the 49ers. Oh, I don't either, especially for, for what they might get for him, Mike. I think he might be more valuable to the 49ers than to some other team, than the picks they would get to send him to some other team. And you think back to Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua, eventually the, the Dolphins had to move on from Ryan Fitzpatrick because he was altering the de- holding up the development of Tua. So they had to move on from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But you remember that rookie year of Tua. I mean, they kept replacing him with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you certainly could see that happening in San Francisco. And you wonder if that would stunt the growth of Trey Lance if they continue to do that with Jimmy G. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we got some questions. We'll have some answers. PFTPM wraps up right after this. All right, wrapping up this Tuesday edition of PFTPM. We got some questions from the mailbag. Neil watches PFT. Since the Cowboys spent most of this offseason so far cutting cap space, can they realistically compete for the Super Bowl this year? You said last week, Shereen, Cowboys fans up in arms. No sense that they're moving forward. Yeah, they kept Demarcus Lawrence. They missed out on Randy Gregory. Amari Cooper's gone. Cedric Wilson's gone. What do you think yeah. right now the Cowboys' prospects are? 
Well, I think two, they have two things going for them. One, they play in the NFC East, and I still think they're the favorites in the NFC East. Now, since we've gone to the current realignment uh, that we have the, with the divisions, four teams in each division, the NFC East te- uh, champion has never repeated the next year. So they have that working against them. But I do still think clearly they're the best team in the NFC East. They play in the NFC, and I just don't see, you know, the Bucks and the Packers and Rams, yes, they're better than the Cowboys right now, but I still think they would have a chance against those teams. So I'm not ruling them out right now. They've drafted really well over the past few years. If they get another Micah Parsons in this draft, I'll really like their chances, Mike. Yeah, uh, look, they – overachieved last year and then underachieved once we realized they were overachieving, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It was a disappointing end of the season. Sean Payton is going to continue to hover over this team. That's not going anywhere. They are not among the very best of the conference, the very best of the conference, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Packers, presumably. Cowboys are going to have a tough time punching through to the Super Bowl this year. Question from A-Redzona UK, our good friend Tom Marshall, who managed to get a copy of Playmakers in the UK, even though it's not out there until April 7th, when will Lamar Jackson engage with the Ravens? You know, Shereen, this continues to be a conundrum. I don't know if this is strategic by Lamar Jackson to put in his seven years with Baltimore and become a free agent, or it's misguided because he should have an agent getting him the contract he deserves. He's taking an unnecessary physical risk without the contract. I don't think if he's engaged yet, he's suddenly going to show up and say, let's let's do this contract we should have done a year ago. Well, and it should already be done, Mike, but it's not. How about a Kyler Murray for Lamar Jackson trade straight up? Now, that would be the chaos wow. you're talking about. Now, that's chaos. That is chaos. But, but I, I mean, maybe from the Cardinals' perspective, they'd rather have a quarterback who doesn't engage than one whose agent is engaging saying, give <laughs> right. me twice what we want to pay you. So maybe that's the best outcome. The problem is you got one more year of the rookie deal, you got two franchise tags, and then Lamar Jackson becomes a free agent, unless he wants to play for the Cardinals. Maybe that's it. Maybe he just secretly wants out of Baltimore, and this is his way of doing it. We'll see in the coming days, weeks, and months. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you tomorrow morning for PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.